Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell here with Kitty Williams from SpeedwayDigest.com. we got a great show for you today. Talking about, of course, lug nuts, the big story of the week. Tony Stewart, we're talking about the Toyota Owners 400 at Richmond International Raceway. Carl Edwards won his 27th career NASCAR Sprint Cup Series race. And, of course, we preview the crazy weekend ahead. That is going to be Talladega Super Speedway. But first, of course, it was the Toyota Owners 400 at Richmond International Speedway. Carl Edwards bumping Kyle Busch, his teammate, on the final lap there, coming to the coming in and turn four. Katie, your thoughts on that? Was that a dirty move by Carl Edwards? Uh, and do we expect some t- retaliation back from Kyle Busch? I really didn't think so. I think if he would have wrecked him altogether so that he did not even finish second, then I would have thought it was a dirty move. And this weekend, I don't think there's going to be payback because of how Talladega is, you know, it can kind of be, I don't know, dangerous. It's a good point, and that's a very fair point. And I agree with you to the extent of, you know, a lot of people compared this to what Radonna did last year at Kansas to Matt Kansas. Right. And I'm I'm Mm. a big believer in what you just said as far as payback on the mile-and-a-half tracks and wrecking somebody on a mile-and-a-half track is different than wrecking and bumping somebody out of the way at a short track. It's just different style of racing. I think short tracks, um, you're obviously at lower speed. So to me, it's a different animal. Now, that's what used to, I'm old school. That's the way it used to be when back in the 90s, when if, you know, you wrecked somebody. I remember when uh, Dale Earnhardt got into Rusty Wallace at Talladega in 1993. And Rusty had a comment after that race where he said, that's the difference between Earnhardt and everybody else. Earnhardt will wreck you at Talladega. Now, I've been, I've talked to people who said that wasn't, you know, intentional, and who knows? We'll never know. The only two people who know were Rusty Wallace and Dale Earnhardt. But Rusty's comments, well, he'll take you out of Talladega. So I think it is different where you look at it and you say, well, a short track with the lower speed is a lot different than than, than a higher speed at like a a Talladega, at a Kansas, at a Pocono. So I think it's a little bit different scenario here. And plus, you know, it was the final lap, and Carl was was faster on on fresher tires and went in there and just, you know, I think – what it is is basically a bump and run there, Katie. Right. Um, and, you know, if we looked at, through the rundown there, um, you know, Edwards went and led 151 laps. Had a, had a pretty dominant car all day long. Uh, Kyle Busch was second. Jimmy Johnson third. And I'll tell you a guy who I was pretty impressed with this weekend, and we're starting to see this team come out of a little bit of a funk here, where these last, I'd say, 40, 45 races for Casey Kane have been kind of lackluster for that number five team. And here he is coming in there, ran pretty well at Texas last weekend, comes into Richmond this weekend, runs pretty well, finishes in the fourth spot. Uh, qualified eighth was fast all through practice, so it looks like this five team is finally starting to hit on cylinders here for the first time in a long time. Right. You know, the first few races I thought, oh, no, here we go again, another bad year. But then when I saw what they did at Texas and then Richmond and then, well, first of all, Las Vegas and then Texas and then Richmond, I thought, well, maybe something's turning around. Yeah, and it looks like finally maybe Keith Rod and Casey Kane over there, the, the crew chief for that five team and Casey Kane have finally hit on all cylinders. Uh, it's taken them a little bit of a while. I mean, and, and we have to keep in mind, too, 
you know, this is a different sport right now in 2015, 2016 than it was in 2015, where it, Hendrick Motorsports is now number two in that as far as team dominance goes. You know, everybody's chasing Joe Gibbs Racing right now, uh, whether it's a short track, whether it's a super speedway, whether it's a mile-and-a-half track, they're all chasing Joe Gibbs Racing and the JGR Toyotas, uh, and everybody's chasing them. And so, obviously... You know, you have to get better. The team has to get better. Hendrick Motorsports has to get better. For really, Casey Kane, in my opinion, to compete for a championship as a whole. Dale Jr. wasn't great this weekend, and he has never won yet this this year. Uh, neither does Chase Elliott. And Jimmy Johnson is the only one with multiple wins. But, you know, this I, I just feel like everybody's kind of chasing Joe Gibbs Racing here and in early on in 2016. They definitely are chasing Joe Gibbs Racing. You know, Hendrick, I would say, is probably second to Joe Gibbs because they've got – say two wins but I mean Joe Gibbs they've been tearing it up yeah it's been a real uh it's been a you know really since Cobb Bush came in that car last year this team's just taken off they, they added more horsepower I believe it was after the Richmond race they added more horsepower to these race cars after the Talladega race last year uh right when Cobb Bush got in they TRD and the engines found something and Joe Gibbs has just taken off and they run with it um so, you know, for Casey Kane to improve himself and get better, I think um, Magic Motorsports needs to get better at a whole, but definitely pointing in the right direction for them as well uh, after this weekend at Richmond. One of his best racetracks, he went out there and really ran well. Uh, Harvick was fifth. Then you had Denny Hamlin in sixth. Matt Kenseth in seventh. Joey Logano, Martin Truex Jr., and Kurt Busch. And a couple of attaboys I want to give to, and a guy who, again, you know, we're talking about people who um, – have run good in 2016 and really kind of turned their their seasons around. And uh, Roush Fenway as a whole has really kind of turned it around. I mean, they, we've seen them, you know, they've been hit or miss to some tracks this year. They weren't very good at Phoenix. But here they come into Richmond, a track that not a lot of people expect them to run very good at. Um, it's a flatter track. It's not really a track that Roush is known to win at. And they really ran good. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. had an issue, or he probably would have been in the top ten. Greg Biffle finished 14th. A decent run for Trevor Bain in 17th. Start to see for Roush Fenner Racing turn the corner a little bit here, Katie, uh, as we move into Talladega here. Uh, yes, they have been improving a little bit. Um, I also noticed that Bristol, um, Stenhouse was running good there, too. So mm-hmm. maybe they, too, are turning things around. Yeah, that that 17 team needs to have some luck on their side because they've had a couple of weeks here where they've really run good. And I'm telling you, uh, I was watching the race with a couple of people, and everybody was pointing at that 17 going, where? Wow, they're flying. And they were they were really doing well this weekend at Richmond. You mentioned Bristol. They were doing well there as well. But they've had some issues here. They need some luck to get on their side as they, as they keep going here. Um, and I think you'll see that 17 car in the chase. But right now, you know, Trevor Bain, 17, yeah, it doesn't seem like a great run, but that's, he wasn't anywhere near that a year ago. And right now, he's 18th in points, nine points out of the chase as we get ready for Talladega. And anybody can win Talladega, especially in a Roush car. Baines won at a plate track before, obviously, in the Daytona 500. He is a very, very capable driver to win this weekend at Talladega, and we'll get into our picks later on in the show. But, right. I mean, he's a guy you have to point where, you know, he's running really good, he's good enough for the points, uh, and he's starting to turn a corner. They're not there yet at Roush Fenton Racing, but, again, they're pointed in the right direction. That's all you can ask for from this organization so far in 2016. Uh, Katie, Tony Stewart made his return back here, finished in a 19th spot, started 18th, fell a lap down. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on his weekend? How do you think he did this weekend? 
Well, it was his first run back, so, I mean, I think all they could ask for is just to finish the race with no uh-ohs or no wrecks. You know, I'm probably sure he's not satisfied with a 19th place, but um, I think it was a good comeback. Yeah, and he's got a new crew chief as well that people forget. Mike Bug with Mike Bug Ravitz, excuse me, Ravitz. is there. Uh, he's there, and you know it takes a little while. I mean, everybody gets the excuse of, well, you know, uh, they got a new crew chief. Tony Stewart should get it as well. He, uh, not a great day, obviously. They didn't go out there and set the world on fire. We've seen that team perform better in 2016, but it's a work in progress. Uh, also, right. I, I want to give a call out here to to David Reagan and that. Uh, BK Racing car, you know, he ended up 23rd, which is a little disappointing compared to where he was running, but he was up in the top 20, top 15 for most of the day, did a great job, had a really good long run car at BK Racing. Again, 23rd's not really, uh, sometimes you don't get the finishes you deserve, and 23rd what really wasn't in the, where they deserved. They, again, had a really strong run uh, later on, long run car in that race, and uh, they had a lot of cautions there at the end of that race, so that kind of hurt that 23 team, but a pretty good day for David Reagan and, and BK Racing starting to see them even do a little bit better here as we move into 2016. Um, yeah, especially with Matt yeah. Benedetto. Go ahead. Go ahead. Especially with Matt Benedetto at Bristol. I mean, I was not thinking of him as an underdog, but he showed himself at Bristol finishing sixth, which, which is a win for them. It really is. I mean, Di Benedetto... Uh, I, I, you know, if people have listened to the show over the last couple of years, I've I've tooted his horn a lot. I think he was a guy who, unfortunately, due to him not having a ton of money behind him, like we see a lot of other young kids have, uh, I think he's been kind of shuffled through the big rides. He was a development driver at Joe Gibbs Racing for a while. Um, and interesting story I read this weekend uh, that Jamie Gibbs actually came up to Ron Devine, the owner of BK Racing, and said, "Hey." Um, hired this kid, D. Benedetto. He's got a lot of skill. He was very, very good. Um, and they went out and hired him. And, did, and you know, he, he ran great at, at Bristol. Really ran his way into that ride last year. People forget he wasn't scheduled to run a lot of races in that in that 83 car last year. They had Johnny Sauter run the day 2500 and they were going to kind of ease D. Benedetto, a rookie, into that ride. And he ran so well they said, you know, we're going to leave him in there. And really earned his ride this year as well because they had uh, another young driver there, Jeff Burton, who they didn't bring back uh, they didn't bring back J.J. Yaley either, so they must have really liked what they saw from Matt Benedetto because they sat there and said, you know what, we're going to bring him back. So uh, I think BK Racing pointing in the right direction. They have Triad engines, which Triads, you know, I, that engine department I think is going to get beaten up a little bit on the mile and a half tracks, but on the shorter tracks uh, they seem to be really competing pretty well. So a uh, good sign if you're a team of a small organization like BK Racing. Uh, Tony Stewart was in the news this this weekend for a lot. I mean, uh, goodness, you can go on and on and on about Tony Stewart being in the news. First off, Katie, he was fined $35,000 by NASCAR, um, which eventually was paid by the driver's union, which he eventually paid, and the driver's union donated $35,000 to a charity. But what were your thoughts on a fine for Tony Stewart? Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Oh, I didn't agree with it. He was just speaking his mind about safety, and um, that that has to be a good thing. So I don't know why NASCAR won't let these drivers speak their minds, especially situation like that where you have a wheel come off, get in the wall. That's that's bad. Yeah, 
Well, it's interesting because uh, I think the thing that got Tony banged on this on this fine, and, and this is something that I think a lot of people have to take into consideration. If you're a newer fan to this sport or somebody who's just joined this sport in the last 10, 15 years and don't remember what happened on February 18, 2001 or weren't there, um, let me give it, put it in perspective. Tony, I think what really bothered NASCAR about this, and I've heard it you know, from several comments of Steve O'Donnell and, and Brian France as well this weekend, they came out and they said basically that uh, we take safety as a number one protocol. We, safety is a very, very important thing. And I think the biggest problem with, with what they have, with Tony, what they said about Tony Stewart was he questioned that. He said, you know, NASCAR is not making safety first. And mm-hmm. they were accused of the same thing when Dale Earnhardt got killed. You know, there was when Dale Earnhardt got killed, you know, we, we could have had Hutchins devices. We could have had uh, the beginning of what was softer walls, and we could have had full-face helmets, but none of that was instituted. And a lot of people, including Bill Elliott in his book, put that NASCAR was a little bit behind in the safety aspects of things, and that is part of the reason why Dale Earnhardt got killed. And I think NASCAR almost felt some responsibility for that. I mean, you and if you were there and remember that, you know, two weeks after, you know, even a week after Earnhardt got killed, full-face helmets were instituted, the Hutchins device was instituted, and it was a much safer sport than it was a week earlier. So I think NASCAR kind of was – what they were upset about was Tony Stewart sitting there going, questioning, saying, they don't take safety first here. And I think that really, really got him fined because – at the end of the day, I think that really bothered NASCAR. Yeah, I I wish something didn't have to happen in order for safety measures to be in place, whether it's in the stands or on the track. But because of that, we have the Hans device, we have safer barriers on every, yeah. almost every wall right now. And so I hate that yeah, it had to have NASCAR to take notice. You're, you're absolutely right, and it's funny because – uh, that's the way their sports worked in the past. And now they, they've kind of, with this lug nut rule, are kind of, kind of preventing something from happening before it's happening. I mean, you even go back, you brought up, which is a great point, you brought up um, the safety issues with the Hans device and the Hudson device. I mean, I remember back in 93 when Rusty Wallace slipped and they instituted roof flaps. You know, it took for Rusty Wallace almost to get hurt twice at, the, at Daytona and Talladega to institute roof flaps. Yeah. We have a caller here, Katie. Uh, what's your name? Where are you calling from? This is Lee from Virginia. Hi, Lee. How you doing? What do you want to talk about today? I want to talk about Tony Stewart. Uh, What do you want to say about Stewart here? You know, $35,000. What do you got to say about him? I just think, you know, if you listen to what Brian Francis, uh, he called Sirius Radio twice this week, and and the the second day he finally gave an answer about, um, you know, why NASCAR felt, what was wrong with Tony Stewart and how, why they felt like they needed to find him. And he said, you know, that the drivers and the teams have have a, an open-door policy, uh, and the car owners have an open-door policy with NASCAR, and they can go to NASCAR any time that they want if they have an issue. And Tony decided to use a media outlet uh, to voice his concerns with the safety rather than go to Brian France, who never directly moves underneath him. And I just think that there had to have been, I think the drivers know that if there's an open door policy, which I believe that there is, the drivers obviously know that, so there's a driver council. I believe that, that it happened, that they had went to NASCAR, and, uh, you know, it, nothing was done about it, and Tony added this as an option, as a second option. Yeah, I mean, Lee, it's interesting because uh, I heard Greg, in a Greg Ives interview, 
that that they've been going to NASCAR here, Katie, for the last week, I'd say, a couple of weeks, about the lug nut issues and that want NASCAR to do something. And it's funny that NASCAR finally reacts when Tony Stewart speaks out. I think it speaks volumes what happened. What do you think about that? Katie? Right, it it does. And, and, and I also nut. I also think too, you know. Um, these rumors, this concern about, you know, a lot of people who, if you're listening to the media and all that, are saying, well, this is really a nothing issue. It's it. There's nothing about it. Did these drivers come out on their own and speak out on their own to the media and just say, you know, in the middle of a press conference, got drivers like Greg Biffle spoke out, Dale Earnhardt Jr. spoke out, Tony Stewart obviously spoke out, Denny Hamlin had spoken out as well. And did any of them do this on their own and just bring up the ultimate issue by themselves? No. Uh, a media member had asked them the question, and they answered it, and they answered it truthfully. And I think that that is um, a great po- a, a great thing there, that the media isn't afraid to ask those questions and the drivers aren't afraid to give their answers on it. Tony Stewart, you know, listen, what he said about NASCAR, yeah, he may have been a little bit off in saying, oh, well, they don't care about safety. I'm sure that that is what has angered them. But he answered a question. And to me, if somebody's going to ask you a question, especially in the media member, it's a bad precedent to set. If you're going to give that answer, uh, find them for the answer a question that was asked of them. It's one thing if they come out and say, I didn't do a press conference and they go ballistic about something. It's another thing where somebody asks them a question and they answer it and they give an honest answer. I think they missed the ball on that. That's a good point, Lee. Right. Hey, how bad does NASCAR look, you think, here, that they find Stewart and then two days later come out and make an announcement that they're basically going to put in a rule that Tony Stewart was asking for? I think that looked worse because Tony Stewart out of nowhere came out and said Thursday morning before the Richmond race that, you know, nobody saw it coming, that he was going to go drive. He was going to get back in the car, and that was the story, and that was the topic. And that that little story, story that he got suspended in, or got fined for, that comment was already out there. He didn't. It's not like he did it after Thursday. It was already out there. And so, you know, essentially NASCAR made this a big thing where people would have forgotten about that because of uh, you know, Tony getting back in the car would have over- overshadowed that. And that was a great story. And the fact that they go out there and they find him and they say, oh, well, you know, um, we're going to find him $35,000 for his comments because we don't like what he said. Well, <laughs> you're ruining a great storyline of Tony Stewart coming back. Now, I understand that you weren't happy with what he said, but you had a great storyline and it was already said. It had already been set, uh, number one. And then, you know, to change the rule Monday after, the, you know, to come out come out and say, oh, we're going to change this lug nut rule. I think that, you know, NASCAR has said, you know, it's very, they're in a tight box because they are wrong. They were wrong initially by taking away the NASCAR officials um, off of pit road. They, that was a cost-saving cost effort. You can talk to whoever you want. You can listen to whoever you want. You know, people wear their ISC badges, you know, they, they don't want to say bad about NASCAR. Listen, it's a cost-saving uh-huh. effort. They got rid of the pit road officials to save money. NASCAR and ISC are essentially the same people. You know, Jamie France, Brian France, they're a family. Lisa France Kennedy, they're all a family. ISC and NASCAR are the same people, just two separate companies. They did it to save money, and I get that. But now you can't go back to that and rehire these officials and police the lug nut policy. You just can't do it. So this is their way of policing it. I think handing out this major fine, and, and so handing out this major penalty of, well, if we come back and the cars don't have five on them, we're going to hand you, we're going to suspend your crew chief. Um, I think they're getting what they want and then more than, and then some of the drivers. But yeah. me, Clayton, this is what has bothered me about the whole thing is if you're a driver 
and you're Dale Earnhardt Jr., and you come down pit road, and you and your team, Greg Ives and the team members of your team in the 88 car, see that Carl Edwards and everybody else from Joker's Racing are putting four lug nuts on, and Dale says, I want five, I want five, I want five. It is out of Dale's control whether or not they put five on that race car. They could put four on it and tell Dale they put five on it. He would never know the difference, and they don't want to lose either. That team does not want to lose either. I know they're putting their driver in risk and harm, but you know what? I think they're willing to take that risk to win the race, especially because they're not in it. But to me, I also say to the teams, tighten five lug nuts and you wouldn't have had this issue. Yeah, right. no, it, it, it's interesting, Lee. And, and Katie, I want to get your opinion on this. Um, you know, how about uh, what we've heard, you know, from the driver council? Do you think, you know, paying that fine is a, is a big step in the right direction for, as far as going toward a union for the drivers? I mean, to me, that, that screams union when they paid that fine. Well, it shows that the drivers are behind him, saying, you know, like, we we don't like the way this was handled. We'll help you, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting topic. It really is interesting. Um, and, you know, to me, I, I look at it as, as, you know, kind of what Lee said as well, where, um, you know, Stewart here is a guy who is very vocal, and I think he was kind of like the uh, the guy who – when he put it in the motion, he was the fall guy almost. I think all the drivers were kind of mm-hmm. saying, hey, Tony, go out. You know, he was the fall guy, and uh, that's why they paid the fine. But, uh, Lee, I want to get your thoughts here quick before I let you go, Lee, on um, Tony Stewart this weekend get it, being eligible for the win. Now, before I ask you this question, let me give the, the listeners a, a roundabout here, a wrap-up quick on what I'm talking about. Several, um, several media members, and I know one, and I'm just going to point this out, uh, Matt Weaver from MotoWeek.com as well said that he felt Tony Stewart should not be getting, giving, make the chase from a win from a replacement driver. Now, Stewart starting the car this weekend at Talladega Super Speed, running a few laps, probably going to run to the first caution, then get out and Ty Dillon is going to replace him. Uh, your thoughts, Lee, on whether if Ty Dillon wins that race, should t- Tony Stewart, who started the race and will be getting the points, should Tony Stewart be allowed to make the chase? on that win. Your thoughts on that? But boy, sometimes it's amazing how similar stories can be. And this reminds me so much of the Kyle Busch thing last year where everybody was saying, well, he shouldn't be granted a waiver. Da, 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 da. I said, you know what? There is no, there is no uh, uh, you know, staple number of races that you could miss. And NASCAR never came out and said, well, the number is 11, the number is 15, the number is 20, how many races you could miss. And so you can't change that rule in the middle of the season. And this has been the rule since the 1950s. And I understand that, you know, with this new chase era and the way it is and, you know, winning one race and getting you in, this rule may need to change. And I understand that it may need to change. And you don't have to agree with the rule. But the fact is, that's the rule. And you can't come out here and now change the rule mid-season and, and, you know, eight, eight, nine races into a season and say, oh, because Tony Stewart's now going to get to a car, we're, we're going to change the rule. You can't do that. I'm sorry. That's not fair to Tony Stewart. That's not fair to anybody else who wants to do that. But I th- and it's kind of like what we said last year, where don't hate the don't hate the uh, what you really don't like is the chase and the fact that one win can get you into the chase. You don't like this format. It was the same thing with Kyle Busch last year, where you know if you didn't have this chase format, where you know winning one race and being in the top thirty in points gets you into the chase, you wouldn't have had this issue. Where if you're top ten or top twelve in points, like in the old chase format, where that helped. 
you wouldn't have this right. issue. You wouldn't be even talking about it. So I think what people dislike the most about it is the fact that they dislike the chase in the format, not necessarily this rule. Um, but to me also is how would you change this rule? Can you give the driver who finishes the race the points instead of the driver who wins the race? I then, or then instead of the driver who starts, then you'd see Tony Stewart finish it rather than start it. So you know, what what is the what what is a better situation here, and how are you going to fix this rule? Yeah, Katie, what are your thoughts on on uh, Stewart? Should he be allowed? Should this win if, if hypothetically if Ty Dillon goes to victory lane in that 14 car? The car that Tony Stewart started this week in that Talladega, should he be allowed to keep that win and, and advance to the chase because of that win? Oh, uh, I think so. You know, um, if he wins it, then there's going to be a whole new can of worms opened if there hasn't already. Um, but, you know, he's doing what NASCAR says he's supposed to be doing, just like. Kyle Busch, you know, last year wins such and such races and you'll be locked in the chase and then you know what happened after that. So I don't know if he can do it or if Ty can do it for him. But sure, you know, rule's a rule. Yeah, I don't mean to jump in here, but you have to wonder also how long, how hard Ty Dillon's going to push it on Sunday at Talladega because Tony just needs those points. And another thing, guys, is, uh, you know, if if this was a rule and they said, well, you can't get out of the car and the driver starts the race, has to finish the race, Tony Stewart could be putting himself in jeopardy injury-wise, um, you know, coming back too soon or getting into a car that he shouldn't be getting into. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, you know, that's a little bit, that's also a little slippery slope. NASCAR has to walk the driver's council and, and uh, you know, just being with injuries and all that, like we're seeing with the NFL, the players suing the NFL, all of that, especially with concussions, they have to walk, that's a fine line to walk. What I would it like to know is... With this whole situation, there's a couple of questions I have. First of all, um, Matt, we've made some great points. And, I, and there's some points that you sit there and you go, that's, that's a fair point. And one of them was, you know, well, what happens if we go to, you know, for example, a small team um, goes to Watkins Glen and they bring out road course ace and for some reason the guy gets out of the car and they bring in, you know, Ron Fellows or Boris said at Watkins Glen, that guy ends up winning the race for him. You know, you're kind of running down a slippery slope, and obviously it's not going to happen in 2016, but you never know what's down the road, who, you know, what, what can happen. You know, Marcos Ambrose could come back, and we know how great he is on the, on the, uh, on the road courses. So, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a valid point. But there's a lot of things to take in here. First of all, if that's the case, if something like that happens and NASCAR gets wind of that, don't you think they would, they would notice that and say, you know what, we're not going to allow that win. We'll put, you know, we're not going to allow the waiver, whatever you want to put in, like we have for the top 30 points. And another thing, to me, this is nowhere near, nowhere near what we saw with Tony Stewart last year, or with Kyle Busch last year, where Kyle Busch missed 11 races. You know, people, I think, have a problem here where they're kind of sitting there going, well, Tony Stewart never really won. If, if he advances through this win, he never really run a, ran a race. Okay, but, you know, and, and he still ran for the championship. Okay, but Kyle Busch missed 11 races last year and still ran for the chase, chase and Listen, we debated last year whether it was right or wrong, and I don't want to get into that tonight. But to me, that's way worse, missing 11 races in a season, than missing one race. And it's interesting because Brandon brought up a good point, or excuse me, Lee brought up a good point there where um, he said, hey, do we really want Tony Stewart to miss this race? That's a good question because Tony Stewart could basically say, you know, I'm not even going to start Talladega. I'll sit out 
and Ty can Ty can run, and then I'll, I'll run the following weekend at Kansas. And I think a lot of people would kind of be like, well, if he's physically able to run, why is he not running? He shouldn't be able to eligible because it's different from them what uh, from what Kyle Busch did because Kyle Busch ran a race consecutively and he ran at Richmond, so obviously he's clear to race that he should race and yada 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 go on and on and on and on. So you know it's a very slippery slope, but I think I'd rather have this. And what I said, which is right now, where I'd rather have a driver come back and start a race, and if he doesn't feel comfortable, get out, put somebody else in, and he'd be able to make the chase, then run at Richmond, sit out Talladega, and then run at Kansas again, which I think is the only other option here, Lee, for Tony Stewart. Your final thoughts, Lee, on anything we talked about? No, I think you're dead on about Tony Stewart being, you know, in this car this weekend. And um, I think that they do need to change this rule, though, in the future where, you know, the driver who starts the race needs to finish the race. And the fact that you brought up with the road course ace, you know, getting into the car, this is a special circumstance with injury. And so NASCAR needs to look at that and realize, okay, this mm-hmm. is an injury. And the doc, they do have, you know, obviously Tony Stewart was really absolutely hurt. And so they have a doctor's note for it, and they have a doctor's note for, you know, saying that, okay, he can be in this car. I think a lot of people, though, where they have an issue is, okay, well, if he's ready to get back in the car and can run 400 laps at Richmond but can't run the 500 miles at Talladega, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And I understand that point. Tony's doing what he has to do, but he is using a rule that is currently in place to his favor. And I don't, I don't blame him because there are many guys who have done that in the past. But I think that with this, you know, going into the 2016 season, don't be surprised to see this rule change. But it just cannot, our 2017 season, but it just cannot be changed mid season. It's not fair to Tony Stewart or anybody else who would try and use this rule to the advantage because you don't know somebody else could get hurt a couple of weeks down the road. Somebody could get hurt this weekend at Talladega and use this next week at Kansas. You can't change it in the middle of the season. It's just not fair. Yeah, it's going to be, I, I doubt it, Lee. I don't think that rule can be changed. Lee, thank you so much for calling the show. You're welcome anytime. Okay, bud? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lee. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't see that rule, Katie, changing anytime soon. But, you know, your final thoughts on Tony Stewart here um, and, and basically what's going on with him and everything that went on. I mean, he, he was in the news a lot this past week. Your final thoughts on Tony Stewart? He definitely was. And I think the reason, one of the reasons they decided to not running the whole race at Talladega was because, you know, Richmond is a smaller track. Talladega mm-hmm. is a bigger track. So big – uh, more ways to have a wreck there, and we don't want to do that again to him. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's a it's a crazy atmosphere. I mean, everybody knows that when you go to Talladega in Daytona, with these mm-hmm. restrictive plates on these cars, big pack racing, there's going to be uh, a, a definitely an uh, ant up percentage of for a big wreck. And that's about, you know, right. they also go in 200 miles an hour, and you're bouncing off other cars, and people can't see, and it's just it's very dangerous. Mark Martin, who was a great driver for a long, long time, visibly, you know, came out and, and is knowingly said he hated Talladega because he's had a lot of scary wrecks there. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people echo that. And it's a lot safer now, obviously, than it was when Mark had his wrecks back in the 90s. But still, you know, it's still very, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr., remember, he missed a couple of races because of a concussion at Talladega. So he's definitely doing what it is. I think he's taking precautionary reasons, no, no precautionary measure, no doubt about it. Because a back is a very funny thing. Um, and you can kind of control your own destiny at other racetracks. I mean, you can control your own destiny at Richmond. You know, you can control your own destiny at Kansas. Really, you, you can be riding along, running 20th and, and doing fine, and all of a sudden somebody come across your nose because you decided to cut across the car next to you, and you're in a fence in the outside wall, and, you know, you're hurt because 
of what? You know, you didn't really do anything wrong. So, um, you didn't. I, and keep going. Go ahead. Because you didn't do anything wrong. Right. It, it's a. It's a. It's a. Uh, very very, um, you know, wild atmosphere at Talladega, and it, I mean, it makes for exciting, exciting racing. I can't wait for this weekend at Talladega, but uh, it also looks makes it look for. Uh, kind of a, a, a dangerous atmosphere. And, I mean, all the old school guys, I mean, now we've been running restricted plates here since the late 1980s, uh, so it's something that we're accustomed to now. But, you know, when I was a kid and, every, and back in the 90s, when there was old veterans who used to complain about uh, the restricted plates and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's something very uh, – that it is dangerous. But, you know, I think that's the nature of the beast right now. Uh, we look at points here, Katie, as we head into Talladega Super Speedway for the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series. Um, you know, Carl Edwards is locked into the chase. He's got two wins. Kyle Busch has got two wins. Jimmy Johnson has got two wins. They're locked in, no doubt about it. Guys with one win are Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, and Kevin Harvick. Other drivers who are probably locked in the chase, I'm going to say everybody in the top ten is locked in. That includes uh, Harvick, or excuse me, that includes uh, Logano, who doesn't have a win yet, Kurt Busch, Dale Earnhardt Jr., and Martin Truex Jr. And then you've got Chase Elliott in 11th, Austin Dillon 12th, Jim McMurray Casey Kane, Matt Kenseth, and Ryan Newman, the top 16 in the points right now. 17th through 20th belong to A.J. Allmendinger, Trevor Bain, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Ryan Bellamy. Um, as we get further on in the season here, Katie, there's a, lot of, there's a couple of drivers who you kind of look at and you're saying, eee, a little scary if they're going to make a chase. One is Kyle Larson, 22nd in the points. I know Chip Ganassi Racing hasn't been great this year. They haven't really uh, hit their stride yet, but he's 22nd in the points. Greg Biffle's 23rd. And Eric Amarola, the guy who made the chase uh, a couple of years ago, uh, 24th in the standings. Been a disappointing year at the Rich Penny Motorsports Shop. And those three drivers, to me, are drivers who I think a lot of people had penciled in to make this chase outside the chase, Larson, Biffle, and Amarola. Your thoughts on their season so far? Well, it's early, but... uh... I think they're going to have to stay out of trouble if they want to make it in on points. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it, trouble is, you know, some of that you can't control. I mean, some of it you can, and, and you know, we've seen drivers lose it on their on them by themselves, and then people say, "Well, it's bad luck." To me, when a driver spins mm-hmm. out by him or herself, it's not bad luck. I'm sorry, that's just you know, uh, some something you could prevent that by either hand, the car handling better or whatnot, that's not bad luck. You know, bad luck is having, you know, a tire blow. If, if you know, uh, if you didn't do anything to cause that, or having a part break, which, you know, sometimes you just can't control things in racing. That's the way racing goes. Uh, you know, whether a, a tire bounces off the wall and gets loose, I mean, that's that's all bad luck. You know, even speeding, people are like, oh, well, that's bad luck. It's not bad luck speeding. It's a mistake. So, uh, you know, it, it's funny, but you know, there's a lot of – I'm surprised by Larson's season this year. I really am. I thought Larson was really going to have a good year. They got a new crew chief over there. Chris Arroy is gone. Chris Arroy is now in the 44 team with Brian Scott. Um, I've been surprised by his season. He hasn't run really great. Greg Biffle, the same thing. Biffle's got a new crew chief with Brian Patty, but they've had some bad luck. And, and I think you're going to, you know, Biffle here for the next coming weeks, uh, he's really going to run good because, you know, the mile and a half tracks where Rash is really their bread and butter. Biffle's good in the mile and a half tracks. If he wants to make this chase, he's going to have to make a, a big run at it. Here. A driver and a team I'm concerned about is Eric Amarola. Richard Petty Motorsports are building their own chassis this year. They've come out here and they've really struggled. Amarola is 24th in the points. Brian Scott, the rookie in the Cup Series, is 28th in the standings. 
Uh, it's been a tough year. You know, Brian Scott, and he's with Butcher Bay Motorsports. He's behind Landing Castle in points right now. Uh, so, you know, it, it's just been – and he's had some bad luck, no doubt about it, but they don't run very good. And it's, a, it's you know, building their new chassis and stuff like that, it, it's, it's a hard situation for Richard Petty Motorsports to be in, no doubt about it. But they struggle, and if we don't see a drastic improvement from Amarola here, I don't think – no disrespect to Scott, but I don't think Scott, even with a drastic improvement right now, unless he pulls off a win at one of these play tracks, I don't think Scott's going to make this chase this year. Uh, but I think Amarola still can if he starts to hit a, a, a stride here in 2016, but he's got to do it fast because he's starting to fade in points um, and starting to fade fast. Uh, also, I want to get your opinion here since um, you obviously a lady here, Katie. Uh, Danica Patrick, mm-hmm. he's fifth in the points. Uh, Stuart Haas racing far and away right now, the, the worst Stuart Haas racing car. It's been a step backwards from where she was in 2015 so far through eight races, or nine races, I believe, are through now uh, here, eight races it is. Excuse me. Through um, no, we're nine. Sorry, we're nine races to the season. I had it right the first time. Um, but step backwards so far through nine races. Got a new crew chief again with Billy Scott, our third Sprint Cup Series crew chief. Uh, it doesn't look like Danica's going to make the chase this year. Your thoughts on Danica Patrick? You know, she's been kind of hard to keep track of because you know TV doesn't show those bottom running drivers unless you know there's a wreck. But I do think maybe she has a chance on the restrictor plates, you know, because she's been good at Daytona in the past and Talladega in the past and even Kansas in the past. So we'll just have to see what that team has got going on the next few weeks. No doubt the next few weeks for her are are, um, are big, no doubt about it. But, you know, like I said, we're through nine races, and, and she was 24th in points last year, and that's where she ended up. After 36 weeks, right now she's 25th. But you got to remember, there's three less cars in the field every week. So 25th now looks a little bit worse. And uh, she's had, you know, I think one or two races. You know, when Casey King got into her and wrecked her, uh, that was that was that was tough. You know, that, that was bad luck for. Her, but you know, she hasn't run good enough to to uh, to even that that out right now. Um, and that's 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 what when I say about Danica, she hasn't run that good. She really hasn't. It's been it's been a tough year, you know. Um, her best finish this year is the 16th at Martinsville. She finished 19th at Phoenix and 20th at Atlanta. Those three uh, out of nine, top, three top 20 finishes. I think people would expect more from her so far this year. Bristol was a disaster, ended up 27th. Uh, wasn't a very good weekend last weekend at Richmond, the 24th, where we didn't really, like you said, we haven't really seen her all year. You know, she doesn't lead in many laps. Um, and you have to wonder when is – when are we going to sit there and, and say this is what Danica Patrick is, a 24th, 25th place race car driver, because this is basically where she's performed the last couple of years, and we haven't seen any growth, and or much growth, I should say. You know, we saw a little bit of growth uh, from year one to year two and year three, but we haven't seen much growth. Uh, she doesn't lead many laps, and you have to wonder if this is what she is. Is she a 25th place race car driver? Um, and what do you think, Katie? Is she a 25th place race car driver, or do you think she still has time here to grow? Well, I think there's room for growth. I mean, she does have, you know, ups and downs. You know, I've I've watched her run, you know, at least top 10. And, of course, she led the pole at Daytona in 2013. So mm-hmm. I think it's there. But um, yeah, well, I just think luck depends on it. Well, Daytona is a different nature to me. At least qualifying is there because, you know, we've heard drivers several times say a monkey could qualify at Daytona. So a lot of it's got to do with the horsepower. Um 
and, and yep. the way that car handles through, through the track. So, you know, sitting on a pole with Daytona 500, while it's an achievement, she's the first woman to do it, congratulations, you know. Uh, that's not something I, I value when I look at how she's grown through the NASCAR ranks. That's not something I value very much. Uh, pole at Daytona. I would like to see her run on a pole. If she sits on a pole somewhere, I think that's part of her problem. She doesn't qualify very good. Uh, you know, she, her best qualifying run this year is the Daytona 516th, and then it's 18th at Vegas. Other than that, 21st, 28th, she doesn't qualify very good. So maybe it's, it's trying to find the rhythm here with Billy Scott, but uh, she's definitely somebody interesting to watch here as 2016 moves forward to see if she improves any a little bit with the new crew chief and uh, everything that goes on there. Okay, um, we'll move on to the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Again, we saw uh, uh, heat races in at Richmond this weekend. Um, through the first two heat races, Katie, your thoughts on the heat races here from Richmond and Bristol. What do you think about them? Do you like them? What, what needs to improve if you don't like them? What are your thoughts on the heat races so far through the first two races that we've seen them here at Bristol and Richmond? Well, I like the concept. I think, you know, I think they should do that instead of qualifying sometimes. But then the way it turned out at Bristol and Richmond is, I guess, I don't know if everybody was being careful or what, but, you know, um, you didn't see very many lead changes. I mean, at Bristol, you didn't. Um, Richmond, you know, there just wasn't much action in the heats as there was in the main, I guess you could say. And it's probably because they were trying to take care of their equipment. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right on that. I mean, they, it makes sense that, you know, if they're if you're not qualifying for that, you know, obviously you want to gain as many spots as you can because the track position is so much, but, you know, especially for the drivers back in the rear of the field, if you're not qualifying, you know, what makes these races a lot different than the dual races is there's a couple of spots open in the duels. And those drivers in the rear of the field are really racing hard to try and make them, to try and make those spots. And obviously I think the dual races are going to be a thing of the past year in the next 10 years. And I was cool. I've been saying that for a while and I think people disagree with me, but uh, they're not nearly as important as they used to be, uh, especially with this new package we have. But to not to get off topic here, I think you're accurate. I don't think the, the, uh, the heat races that we've seen in the first two times here have been anything to write home about. But I like what we saw at Richmond, and it's something that um, I think we need to see a little bit more of, where Bristol was a little bit different because they couldn't work on their cars between the heat and the, main, and the feature. Um, and I think when you look at that, I think that needs to be done because if somebody is really off, let's say, you know, um, a driver like uh, – uh, Jeremy Clements, who's who's not a who doesn't have the the, the cup affiliation behind him, doesn't have the cup uh, engineers behind him, where he sits there and goes, "Man, we're a little bit off. We just missed the setup by a little bit. You know, we're we're just our our splitters bumping off the track. We need to change the front shocks or something like that. Where they can go out there and they say NASCAR says change the front shocks if you got to. We don't care. Make any adjustment you want on the race car. That kind of puts you in a little bit of a bind though because then you have to go through inspection again. So. We saw them let them work on their race cars at a pretty good amount here at Richmond, and I like that better than what we saw at Bristol, but you're right. Um, it's a work in progress. You definitely need to look at it, I think, for the upcoming races, but uh, it's a work in progress, no doubt about it, for these for these heat races um, at Richmond and stuff like that. Uh, also, you know, we had Richmond International Raceway this weekend. Dale Earnhardt Jr. was your, was your winner. Um, Ty Dillon was second in the Toyota Care 250. Elliott Sadler was third. Big wreck at the end that featured Justin Allgaier. Eric Jones was involved. 
lot of the big-name drivers towards the end of that race. But I'll give you a driver who I thought ran really good here, Katie, um, and that's J.J. Gill and his Acre Toyota. First race for that, that number 44 car, which now we'll get to in a little bit here, seems to be a permanent ride for Yaley. But I thought Yaley did really well in that car, finishing in the 12th spot. was in the top 15 all day. You're right, and you have a, and you must have done some studying because I never saw that car on TV. But you know, if he was an underdog, then that's a good finish. Yeah, he is. You know, Charlie Stars a team that um, they ran the Cup Series back in the early '90s, late '90s. Roy Allen Jr. sat in the pole with that team in 1994 in the Daytona 500. Uh, they kind of got out and they've come back in. Zachary and David Starr, which now which we'll bring up right now. Uh, it appears that David Starr is out of that number 44 car. Zachary Toyota 4 TriStar Motorsports. Um, Yaley is a driver who's got a lot of experience. Uh, Yaley's been in the Cup Series for a while. He's, he's been in the Bush Series, ran really good last year for that JGL team. They didn't bring him back. TriStar brought him in. And it looked like this year um, that you know he's going to run a 14 car. Now Starr is a really nice guy. Starr Star has, you know, Starr's an finishes top 15 in that car this year, and Yelly in his first run goes out and finishes in top 15. So I think Zachary kind of saw that and pushed Starr out of the way there, but uh, kind of a, a tough, bummer deal if you're a David Starr fan. A guy who I think he's in his mid-40s now, ran the truck series forever and ever and ever, um, made his jump up to the truck series. Uh, I hope it's not the last we see of David Starr because he's a really good guy, but uh, definitely a, a tough blow for Starr to take here uh, in 2016. Yeah, and you um, sure hate to be punted like that. Yeah, it's tough, and and it's you never like to see anybody lose a ride, no doubt about it. But um, you know, it, it's tough, and especially a guy as nice as David Starr. David Starr is a really good guy, um, but you know, it, it's the nature of the business. It really is. You know, it's a competitive, it's mm-hmm. a competitive form of motorsports, and sometimes teams are going to make it a move, whether it's right or wrong. But they're going to do something that if they don't think they're performing to the to the uh, capabilities that uh, they're going to make a move, and they, that's what happened with TriStar Motorsports this weekend. Mark Smith and that team over there on, this, on number 44, Zachary Toyota. Um, also in the NASCAR Camper World Truck Series, we saw some news. Ben Kennedy will drive uh, a few races. It's a multiple truck start to number 33 team for JMS Racing 2016. Kind of disappointed in that, and not that, you know, Ben Kennedy's a fine young driver. Uh, I don't think he's as good as... as um, as Grant Enfinger, and I think Enfinger is a much better driver. But Enfinger was supposed to be. It sounded like before the, the year started, Enfinger was going to be in that car truck, excuse me, full time. And now they've kind of pushed Enfinger away here. Enfinger is still going to run some a few races, uh, but kind of disappointing. A guy I, I I root for Enfinger. I like to see drivers who can win championships in other form of motorsports come to the NASCAR, and I like to see them get a shot at least. And it looks like Enfinger's pushed out of his truck series ride before he gets a full time ride, um, and he's going to still run part time there, but. A little disappointing to see uh, Enfinger out for a lot of the races this year in that 33 GMS racing truck. Your thoughts on that, Katie? Well, again, you hate to see anyone get punted, but, you know, if they're not performing, they're not performing. You know, it goes, it's that way in any kind of business, unfortunately. Yeah, it is. And, and it's, it's motorsports. Again, it's, it's, uh, if you want to join the show, 917-889-8280 to join the show. But it, that's the way it goes. You know, that's the form of motorsports you get to. And uh, it, it's it's when you get to this business, it can be ruthless at times. And sometimes things don't seem fair. 
Um, and I, I think for a lot of people, that move for Enfinger didn't seem fair. A guy who running, you know, has been awesome in Arca the last couple of years, uh, made the move up the trucks, and it looked like, like I said, when the year started, it sounded like he was going to run full-time in that truck. Um, not the case. So a little disappointing there if you're a Grand Enfinger fan like I am. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that team performs with Kennedy in that F33 truck uh, in the next couple of weeks um, and how I don't think it completes in that truck as well. Okay, before we wrap up, Katie, I want to get your picks here. Talladega, it's a crazy weekend. You know, we've heard that the media members and everybody say, um, hey, anybody can win this race. David Reagan in a, in a front-row motorsports truck car um, won a race a couple of years ago at Talladega Super Speedway. So anybody can win this, but um, give me uh, your favorite and then a dark horse who can win this weekend in the Cup Series at Talladega Super Speedway. You know, it's a crapshoot. You know, um, I've heard a lot of uh, radio hosts on Sirius say you just throw, you can just throw a dart at someone in their favorite or something like that. But my pick for this weekend, how can you not pick Dale Earnhardt Jr.? Well, it is interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's got Amelia back, you know, and um, mm-hmm. that's a car that's been very, very successful. And he was running okay in the 500 before that car wrecked, um, and they had an issue coming off turn four there. But they weren't nearly as fast. And, again, it's I think it's JGR's dominance there. They weren't nearly as fast as they were in previous restricted plate races. I always feel when you tear up a car like that, you can rebuild it. It will never be as good as it originally was. And I think it's a little bit of a, of a concern. I know Hendrick Motorsports now is a completely different sport than what it was 15 years ago. Um, but I still think there's no way you can build a car as good as it was. You know, and maybe it'll be a little bit better. Who knows? But definitely, I mean, his track record at Talladega, his track record in his play tracks the last few seasons with that car have been really great. Um, there's no doubt about it. He's he's a one of the big favorites. Um, and, I, you know, you're right. You could take a dart and kind of just, throw it and say, oh, that's who's going to win this weekend because there's so many drivers who can win here. It's a crapshoot. You know, drivers are on different strategies. Some like to go to the rear. Some like to go to the front. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun to see. But who do you, who do you think dark horse? And that, it can be, you know, just somebody we don't see coming. Who Dark horse driver, who do you think uh, can run well as a dark horse this weekend? You know, I haven't really thought of a dark horse and, you know, taking fantasy teams, you kind of have to. But, um, for that, uh, you know, I like I'm I like two of them. I like maybe Chase Elliott could step up mm-hmm. here and do it, or uh, Kurt Busch. It's funny because Kurt's and and we'll get to, I'll get you to Chase in a second. But Kurt's been a guy who um, he's run really well on play tracks in the past. He doesn't win, which is hard to believe because. He's run so well in the Daytona 500. He finished second to Newman, I believe it was 2008, pushed second to Newman. He's been up front. He's just had a lot of bad luck at the play tracks. He doesn't have a win there, aside from maybe a, a couple of dual wins. But he's never won a Talladega. He's never won a Daytona in a points race. Uh, so that's kind of surprising. And uh, definitely a guy who can go out there. I mean, Kurt's in a Hendrick Motorsports engines and chassis. So he can go out there and definitely compete this weekend at Talladega Super Speedway, no doubt about it. Uh, and Chase Elliott, rookie, hey, he's a rookie driver. Um, you know, his dad made his a a his dad was famous for running really good at Talladega. I mean, who could forget back in '85 when Bill fell two laps down and then made those laps under green and passed the entire field three times and ended up winning uh, 
in route to his million dollar season, eleven wins in eighty five, that was that's a that was a staple, a a a moment that people will never forget at Bill Elliott at Talladega Super Speedway and his son could make the same history. People will never forget if Chase Elliott wins this race at Talladega Super Speedway, that is a memory you will never forget. Uh, if you're a Chase Elliott fan, and, and you know why not? Talladega is a perfect weekend. Like I said, his dad holds the track record there. Uh, his dad turned the fastest lap ever there at 212.809 miles an hour back in 1987. Um, but, hey, why not? Talladega is as good as any weekend for Chase Elliott to win, no doubt about it. And that would get him into the chase, and they wouldn't have to worry about anything the rest of the weekend. Uh, you know, it'd be it'd be interesting to see how Junior Nation would react because this is definitely one of the favorite races. If you're a Dale Earnhardt Jr. fan, definitely one of your favorite races to look at and say, "Hey, he could go to Victory Lane this weekend," and in the end, doesn't end up going to Victory Lane because he gets beat by his teammate. It'd be interesting to see the reactions from Junior Nation. But I'll give you a driver here, Katie, who I think could, it was a dark horse. And then I'll give you my favorite to win. Uh, a driver I think is a dark horse is Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And again, I, I've I think Stenhouse will run really good this weekend. I was very disappointed with the team at Daytona. I thought they were going to have a really good weekend at Daytona, and they didn't. Uh, they had a little bit of an issue on pit road that caused some damage on that 17 car. Uh, I thought they would run pretty good, but I wouldn't be surprised to see those Roush guys. I mean, again, this, this is a race for those guys like Roush, like the Rich Petty Motorsports guys of the world, who are decent, have a decent year where Roush is starting to turn a corner. But I don't think Roush can compete for wins anywhere else, but there's restricted plates just yet. Um, so this is a big weekend for Roush guys, too, because you look at it and you say, if they can go out there and win this weekend at Talladega and get themselves into the chase, get their spots or some recognition, that would be huge for them. Uh, so th- it, it's going to be wild. Uh, Talladega is always a lot of fun, and, and I, I really, Katie, I really can't wait for this weekend. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, anybody. Um, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Anybody, anybody can win this weekend. You're absolutely right. Um, final thoughts as, as we wrap up here about Talladega. Uh, what do you expect to see here at Talladega Super Speedway this weekend at both the Xfinity and the Cup Series? Well, first thing is, is I hope we get the races in. You know, I hate to be a downer, but forecast isn't looking too good. Mm. And then the Xfinity, um, both races I've I'd be like, just stay out of trouble, but especially the Xfinity. Yeah. You know, you're Go down going the- and, you know, you're not, um, you don't have heat races this weekend, so I wonder, you know, how they'll handle that. It's a it's a different animal because of the push draft that you can do in day two. Uh, it always seems like, uh, I don't know if it's because of the start finish line is a little bit deeper down on the on the off of the uh, trial, but it always seems like somebody's pushing towards the tail end of the of, of that race. So uh, it's gonna be interesting to see that and how NASCAR polices that because I've always felt like that's been kind of uh, a rule that um, it's kind of iffy. You know, there's a lot of gray areas to that rule uh, pushing it there in an Xfinity race, but it's gonna be a lot of fun. I, I love Talladega. You know, it, it's gonna. I think it's gonna be it's Cup race at least. I think it's going to be very lackluster for the first, you know, it always seems like we run 180 laps here. I think 180 laps, something like that, uh, here in a Cup Series. I think it's going to be very lackluster for the first 100, 120, where drivers aren't different. But when 60 to go, 40 to go, I think you're going to start seeing drivers get to the field, and then it starts to get a lot of fun again. The energy picks up. But, you know, it's making it to that last 40. That That is a big deal here at Talladega. Um, 
think a lot of the strategy has to do with you qualify as well. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see who's on what strategy here as the race progresses. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait for Talladega. But, Katie, uh, I know it was late notice. I want to thank you for coming on the show. It was a lot of fun, uh, and you contributed a lot to the show. I appreciate it. And we'll be back here next week on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody. <laughs>